Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now we all need one, but none of us ever really want to use one. For this week's industry review, we're going to chat to three hard-working GPs about their working lives, uh, patient interactions and medical cards. I'm delighted to be joined now by Dr. Eleanor Galvin. Uh, she's a GP based here in Temple Oak in, in Dublin. Dr. Mark Rowe is a doctor based out of Waterford. He's also written books on wellness and hosts the podcast In the Doctor's Chair. And finally, I want to introduce you to Dr. Brendan O'Shea, a GP working out in Newbridge, who's also Assistant Adjunct Professor for Public Health and Primary Care at Trinity College. So you're all very welcome to the programme. Um, Brendan, you might, we might start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became a GP? What attracted you to the business? And uh, just a little bit of background, for, if you would. Well, I, really, um, it was a negative decision. Um, both my parents were in practice uh, in, in West Clare and Limerick. Um, my older brother uh, went into practice, and it seemed to me that they had rows about all sorts of things. But when they started talking medicine, and particularly their general practice cases, uh, they were deeply interested and passionate about it. Um, and I couldn't really see as I was growing up anything that looked remotely as interesting. As I got a bit older and was in medical school, uh, it struck me that working in the hospital under the governance of a health board was not a great way to spend your life. Yeah. Uh, the idea uh, of being uh, in your own practice and being in charge of your own setup, uh, I found attractive. Now, medicine is fascinating. I think any branch of it uh, uh, is a life study. Uh, but these were the things that certainly pressed my buttons. And then the last things, um, uh, when I was coming through in the middle 1980s, uh, general practice specialty training was a big thing and it was starting off. So I was fortunate uh, to get a place on one of the uh, first GP training schemes in the country. Uh, and the quality of the teaching on that uh, really was inspirational. Um, we, we fell in with some amazing teachers. Uh, all of those things were the things that propelled me into practice in Newbridge. Uh, and I've been there ever since. And it's 30-odd uh, years ago. Some of the years have been very odd. Uh, but I'd do it all again in the morning if I got a chance. That's great. Well, thank you for that. That's a really interesting kind of backdrop to your current scenario, Brendan. Thank you for that. Uh, I'll come back to you in a second, Brendan. But uh, let's talk to uh, another one of our doctors here who's uh, sharing the industry review with us, Dr. Mark Rowe, uh, out of Waterford. Mark, and tell us your journey uh, into medicine and to today, if you would. Thanks for having me, Bobby. I mean, I was always interested in people and I never really saw myself growing up as doing anything else than medicine. My granddad was a doctor. He died before I was born, but he had a big influence on my, you know, you know how we all have our own personal story and narrative when we're growing up. And I went to UCD and I was always really interested in the person yeah. behind the illness, <clears throat> the person in the bed and their story and their family. So for me, it was just so logical to do general practice. And, you know, it's such a, a privileged position to have in a community um, to really get to know people. A lot of your patients become really good friends and it really is sort of cradle to grave care. And I really believe in that expanded sense of, of general practice. I really believe in community and I really believe in service. So for me, it's not a job. It's it's really... It's, so it's a it's vocation. My, it's my purpose, yeah. I mean, it, it's a really interesting mix, general practice, of purpose and vocation. It is a little bit of a business as well. 
it is um you know it is it is medicine it it's a mixture of so many different yeah. things it's interesting you 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 say purpose vocation and then business is a bit of a throwaway mm. but i i would suggest that the business element of it, it has to it has to be important in the context of what you do oh absolutely yeah. and, you know the one of the key beliefs for me since since we started our practice in in 1999 is about the team and you know i work as part of a fantastic team of people there's about 25 of us in the waterford health park we've got an old convent building that we restored and it's all about the team and you know increasingly medicine has become much more complex and it really is a team it's a team game now and the more we can support team development in general practice, the more we can enhance and deepen and develop our teams further, the better for everybody. Okay. Our third guest is Dr. Eleanor Galvin. She's a GP based here in Terenure, or sorry, in Temple Oak. Thank you. The Cardinal Sin uh, here in Dublin. Eleanor, tell us your story if you would. Um, I graduated from Cork in 97 and I did psychiatry, right. which I loved. Uh, then I had a clatter of babies. <clears throat> um, I was on a maternity leave and I was asked by a GP in Temple Oak to go in and give him a hand uh, and I kind of never left and really enjoyed it. Um, it is a job that you can combine with having a family um, and in 2011 when mine were all still quite small I rented 360 square foot in the shopping centre <laughs> up the stairs which wasn't the greatest move uh, and just... So Got a was, desk and, that and was set your, off. That yeah. was your entry into the world of yeah. business then, Yeah, was that was my entry into the world of business and, <laughs> and the it, world of GP, really. And it's um, interesting you say that you were in psychiatry yeah. and worked and then took a career break to have your children and then you came back to... Was it a very diff, Was it almost like a completely different world? No, not at all. Not I mean, at all, it, same. I, I probably a quarter to a third of what we see every day is psychiatry and yeah. we probably do 90% of the psych consults in the country are done by GPs um, so there was a bit of learning to do and a few hospital jobs um, but certainly uh, I think psych was a good grounding before it don't regret it um, but I, I love where I am now totally yeah. love it yeah I moved out my 360 square foot um, last year and do you have partners or some of people working in the business yeah three GPs with me now two nurses and three secretaries right. um, so we're not enormous um, and I'm back working in the office for the guy who gave me the first job to see if I do a few hours for him which I really like because it kind of feels like home yeah. uh, and it's a homely um, kind of same day um, acute care um, GP service Brendan back to you um, you talk about uh, the surgery in, in, in Newbridge for the last 30 odd years. When you look back on your time there, has a lot changed or is, are you still doing similar things than you were that you were doing over 20 years ago? Well, look, um, I, the stuff of human kindness uh, and doing the best we can for each other hasn't fundamentally changed. Yeah. But the science says the most amazing changes have occurred. Uh, during the 30-odd years, uh, the life expectancy of the average Irish woman or Irish man, if such a person could be said to exist, has, ex has increased by about four to five years. That's amazing. Mm. Uh, and it is significantly good quality life. Um, so on a day-by-day -day basis, we get cross about different things. Um, but if you like, the appliance of science has really been quite amazing. 
um, uh, our ability to um, adjust people's um, life courses to reduce cardiovascular risk. Uh, to better treat uh, mental health issues, uh, preventive services, um, cervical screening, for example, uh, a huge raft of immunizations. We have a situation where Irish society has among the best, uh, if you like, statistical indicators of health. Uh, we do a lot of complaining and certain things are not right. Uh, inequality is dreadful and inequality, in my view, has actually gotten worse during the 30 odd years. But on the whole, like I've said, um, it ha and I would concur with Mark and Eleanor, it is a privilege uh, to work uh, uh, in general practice, uh, to be involved with households, with individuals. And then there's a raft of special interests. Uh, GPs very often, and this is part of GP training, we encourage GPs to have a special interest in different things. It could be palliative care, it could be musculoskeletal medicine, uh, it could be termination of pregnancy, um, it could be chronic disease management. Uh, there's constantly something to keep you on yeah. your game. So so it, it, it has changed, arguably almost beyond all recognition. We are concerned at the moment um, uh, around the loss uh, of personal care. Um, and practices have become so busy and the pressure on them is so intense and practices have gotten bigger with more doctors in them. So we're, we're, some of us are concerned that we're moving away from the idea that a person has their mm. own doctor to somebody just attends a clinic. That is a challenge for us in these years. Yeah, and Mark, there's evidence of that right across the country where there's been consolidation, there's been big UK venture capital-backed uh, practices, acquiring practices here in this country and that sort of landscape that that Brendan outlines there is going to change the, the, the dynamic of what you actually do, is it not? It, it absolutely may do, Bobby, and the only way to mitigate against that is to really invest significantly by increasing the number of GPs we have in Ireland. If you look back what happened, I mean, when we had the tsunami of the financial crash back in 2009, there has been a ripple effect uh, throughout every sector of the economy pretty much. But one of the things that happened in, in general practice was that nearly a whole generation of young doctors voted with their feet and emigrated and went on one-way flights to Australia. And we never Canada. got most of those back. Like the builders in construction, whatever. Yeah. We never got them back. And they, these, these aren't the young kids who, who qualify and go off to the sun to Perth for a year and come back. This, is, this was different. These were career moves, people with families mortgages, etc. So we've never really caught up from that. And of course, 10 years later, a lot of GPs are, ten, well, GPs are 10 years older and there's a gap there and you're not going to turn that ship around too quickly. But really, the other thing that's happening is, and Brendan's absolutely right, you know, there's a tsunami. I mean, I think the real pandemic has been the pandemic of isolation and disconnection and loneliness that people have been experiencing and, and all the stress with that. But for healthcare professionals on the ground, there, there are so many that are experiencing um, burnout. I was talking to a young colleague. She's, she's just doing her specialist training right now. I was sharing with her how maybe one in every three healthcare professionals experiences burnout. She was saying, Mark, right now, I'd say it's close to 100%. And she's only out of college two or three years. So caring can be mm -hmm. wearing. And what I'd be saying is that GPs and, and nurses and primary care workers really do need to be supported because a healthier doctor or a healthier nurse means a better outcome for the patient. But you can only have healthier doctors and healthier nurses if people are working in properly functioning teams. Yeah. So this comes back to this whole thing about developing a team 
if you have enough doctors, then everybody can have their own individual doctor. And there's really great research that shows that, you know, the more GPs you have in a country, the better the outcomes in terms of reducing mortality, reducing heart disease rates, reducing some cancers, because we are very well trained to look upstream and look at how we can prevent these things. Let me give you one really great example. I saw this lady a few weeks ago, Bobby. She came in to me. She had classical cramps in her tummy, um, eased when she went to the toilet. She was feeling bloated all the time. These were classic symptoms of a condition very common called irritable bowel syndrome. It's very much that interconnection between the mind and the body. Now, I listened to her. We had a long chat. She was under a lot of financial distress, living in a two-bed apartment with two small kids, no, nowhere to play. Her husband was out of work. He'd had his own challenges. She was um, training and was doing exams. So there was a tsunami of pressure. I listened. I gave her some self-care strategies. We referred her to MABS for a financial plan. They do great work. She came back to see me a few weeks later. I'd listened. I'd, I'd cared. She was doing much better. If she'd just gone to the pharmacy, she might have just got medication. Yeah. If I hadn't yeah. listened, she might be on some list right now yeah. for another procedure in a hospital. You see, general practice, good general practice, it's hard to measure the heart attacks that don't happen, the strokes that don't happen. But yeah. we have an amazing potential to prevent things upstream and keep people healthier. Absolutely. Uh, Eleanor, can I ask you, is it is it a sense of frustration for the profession if there's, I suppose, a policy decision that affects how you operate as a GP? So, you know, free visits to the under eights, does that, does that all of a sudden cause a tsunami of under eights uh, arrive up at the surgery needing to be seen? I suppose I'm, I'm in a different kind of a practice, so I don't let the HSC affect anything that I do. So we're a purely private practice. Okay. We don't have any medical card list. Historically, that was because I was in 360 square foot up the stairs with four kids at home. So I wasn't prepared to be there, the kind of hours that the HSC require you to have a contract. So we're, we're a private practice, so I, I don't, think that I, I could operate well in a world where I'm being told what to do by an organisation that can change yeah, its mind. A bit or, like myself. Yeah, or sign a contract that really nobody else in any job would sign to say you're responsible for people 24-7, while I know I am responsible for them. Um, I, I think that I need to have some sort of control over my own life and my surgery and how we do it. And we do it no different than when I was there 20-something years ago starting yeah. out. So the decisions that come from on high don't affect me. Um, they obviously um, we run a, a different kind of practice. So we don't we don't have to decide on the phone who to see and who not to see. And I don't know how people do that. It's an extremely hard thing to do to turn people away when they're sick. But there's only so many hours in a day. Yeah. Um, but we see we see our patients when we see our patients and, and we are not part of the HSC. Okay. Uh, um, Brendan, this is a business show. Can we have maybe a quick look at the business aspect of being uh, a GP in a practice such as yourself? How much of your day or your week or your year is spent on business-related stuff, strategy to improve sales, uh, take cost out of the business, those kind of things that we all kind of live and breathe by. Or are you, are, you, are you consumed by the care of the patient and does that trump everything else? Uh, it trumps and directs everything else, or, uh, and it should do. 
Um, uh, I have a practice manager um, who's got a business degree. Uh, I have an assistant practice manager. I have an administrative team of five. They're all only brilliant. Yeah. Uh, none of us are perfect, uh, but they absolutely protect. Uh, and they allowed me uh, and our, we have three partners and a trainee in the practice. Uh, so that frees us up to care for people. Um, it also allows us to have more creative conversations about what direction we'd like to take the practice in and then that there's somebody to help and guide and do that. A, a challenge for people going into general practice is every general practice is the same. And I think, uh, I suspect Mark, Eleanor and I would agree on all the big issues in life, but it's also clear that we live in three quite different practices. Yeah. So this is a plus and a minus if you're thinking about going into general practice. There's an amazing choice. You can really tailor uh, the job to what you like. And I know as a younger GP, when I had mortgages to pay, I was certainly more interested in the business side of it. Uh, in the last decade, uh, I think the social perspective, the academic perspective has become more important. Uh, it's a long life. Uh, the answers, um, we, we need to be positive about it. Uh, in the Irish College of General Practitioners, we're actively exploring and promoting solutions to the current uh, manpower uh, uh, impasse. Uh, Well-trained general practice nurses are significantly less expensive than GPs. They can can do a significant percentage of what GPs can do, and we're certainly interested uh, in task shifting yeah. uh, so that work is carried out um, at lower levels of cost uh, and lower levels of complexity. And that is absolutely a part of it. The ICGP is also rapidly ramping up uh, the intake into the National GP Training Scheme. Young doctors very positively view general practice as a career option. Uh, the uptake on the GP Training Scheme is always oversubscribed by the actual numbers of places. The ICGP is moving to an national intake of 350 per year in the next two to three years. So, but it is, so if anybody's thinking of general practice, I'd recommend it to a young doctor. I'd certainly recommend it to a young nurse. Um, it's not easy, uh, but at the end of, of every day, you can always drift off. And usually you can pick out things in the day that really made a difference that you can feel good about. And there's other stuff that would wreck your head. Well said, well said. Uh Mark, to you on that on that same sort of business yeah. question, and I mean, Brendan is. responded so eloquently there that he basically has made sure that he's got people in the practice mm. that look after all that, so that he's free to be creative and to 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 to, to do other things. But he knows that he's got that covered. Yeah, there's a famous psychiatrist called Heifetz, and he runs a leadership um, program in in Harvard. Leadership without easy answers was his book great read and he talks about identifying recruiting training and supporting others to do work you've previously done but then frees you up as Brendan said to be more creative I've always believed in surrounding myself with people that are better than me that can do things better than I can do them and uh, I've been very lucky about a fabulous practice manager uh, a fantastic administrative support team as well as you know medical and nursing colleagues so it is a business it's very interesting you know you're you're an employer you've, you're dealing with health and safety um you're, you're you know you're dealing with um computerization I mean, we were fully computerized 23 years ago it's yeah. hard to believe in this day and age so there's the IT issues and there's IT backup <clears throat> there's servers yeah. cleaning you know, there's all the th rates, light, heat, there's all the bills. Um, we've 25 people need to be paid every week. Yeah. Uh, but And we've a largely uh, deprived practice population. I mean, we've high medical card, uh, which for me is is a privilege. It's all part of the system. And I'm a great believer, Bobby, mm. in what's called the inverse care law. 
those that peop- the people that need healthcare most are often least likely to get that healthcare uh, for all sorts of reasons. So, including poverty, poverty of education as well. So that's we need to empower and educate and support sure. people to improve long-term health, which means we got to plug in with with with, with sport. We got to plug in with environment. Uh, green trails and all these things will make us I would love to think in 30 years time we could have the healthiest population in the world wouldn't that be amazing Absolutely. if we were to look ahead and say well what would that look like I don't know what it would look like but I think a strong integrated primary care service with lots of GPs and lots of practice nurses etc is a key part of that picture Okay last word to you Eleanor Galvin uh, if you were to do it all again tomorrow would you would you would you choose the same route? Absolutely, you would. every time. I love yeah. it. It's a privilege. It's a great job, um, and I would think it is a possibly happier spot than working in a hospital for a lot of people, and that you have some sort of sense of, of doing a good job or helping people every day. Yeah. And it's a great variety. You'd certainly never get bored. Okay. Well, listen. I want to thank each of our GPs for letting us into their world. Uh, big thanks uh, to Dr. Mark Rowe uh, out of Waterford. Uh, Dr. Eleanor Galvin in uh, Temple Oak and indeed Brendan O'Shea Day there down in Newbridge. Thank you all for a great conversation and we're wishing you all very well in your medical and indeed your business careers. Thanks, Thanks Bobby. Bobby. Thank you. Thank you so much. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.